Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Culligan of Lincoln on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now we're talking, Pac. <laughs> Nate's always in the mood when 50 Cent gets uh, gets going. Uh, by the way, our, our uh, tags here, if you are watching the uh, Sorry Heyman video stream, you can see Nathan with a, a tag that says carries the show and Bach, the real host <laughs> of the show. Uh, Rico put that in there because Look, it was a there's good a bit of an art. There's a bit of a debate around the office about no. who carries the show. Huh? You have to you have to have the full context. So Nick goes, why don't you listen to my show for once? Easy cop out. Too busy carrying the water cooler. Worked to my perfection. <laughs> didn't listen to his show. Couldn't tell you what he talked about. And he didn't say anything about it. So it looks like every everyone wins in this situation, Buck. Everyone. Yeah, Even Brian Munson. You don't wins. have to say carry the show. You can say, like, work on the show. All right, there you go. <laughs> you know who's really going to carry the show is Brian Munson, though. That's right. Brian Munson's already <laughs> always ready to carry the he show. Is. And he joined us here on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline, carrying us every Tuesday here. Brian, how you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. We're just debating whether last year's team would win a seven-game series against the, the likes of Northwestern or Purdue or Illinois especially. Minnesota. Nate says they would. I, I'm convinced that that team would get swept in every series. Every game would be extremely competitive, but last year's team just could not cross the finish line. Didn't they? But they beat Northwestern pretty good, right? Yeah, Northwestern's probably the exception there. <laughs> they, they would definitely sweep though. Northwestern. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I there were just so many. I think it's one of those things too. Like in a seven game series, just because like you're not rotating, you know, a pitching staff like in a traditional baseball series, and you roll out there with your same guys. If if everything was the same and you had no injuries to kind of work around, uh, and it was just being the game plan and weather conditions and home and home and whatever. I, I think. I think Northwestern would be the the one squad that that Nebraska could go ahead and take them to. I I think, however, that you would find that Nebraska would find ways to to win in those series, even though they would probably drop that first one in the same heartbreaking fashion that that typically they found themselves in last season. And that's going to be ultimately like how they were judged, right? It's like if that was a three game or a five game series or whatever chances are they were they were losing that first game and uh that was always the disappointing part because it seemed like they could have won could have won excuse me the, the the majority of those games and it's interesting too do you think that the Big 10 West uh, is almost overvalued at this point because of Nebraska? Because you look at them, you know, Iowa had 10 wins. Uh, Minnesota and, and Purdue had nine wins. You know, everybody's got that extra win that just makes their, their you know, usually that, that could be a big difference at the end of the year, you know, season total between, you know, eight and nine wins. That's a huge deal for Minnesota and all those teams. Um, but it, it just seems like Nebraska, I, I, I guess the way that I was arguing is that just that Nebraska might have been better than a lot of those teams. But as P.J. Flex said it, it's culture over skill. <laughs> and that's kind of what hurt Nebraska in a lot of those things. I don't know if it's culture necessarily, mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, it seemed to be Nebraska was more skillful than those teams. A lot of those outgoing guys now giving it a shot at the NFL. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I, if I agree with culture being the word either. I, I preparedness or yeah. just a, a understanding how to close and how to finish a game out. I mean, because that's where Nebraska kind of found themselves so many times, just – the inability to not go shoot themselves in the foot, you know, and that's a double negative there. So, but they, they typically went out and 
found ways they found ways interesting ways it seemed to lose each and every time so uh yeah i don't know about culture but preparedness or just confidence i think that that team lacked a lot of confidence particularly on the offensive side of the football another argument that we had brian i said that if you take casey thompson replace him with Adrian Martinez, insert him in the same lineup, the same circumstances, I think that Nebraska ends up at least 6-6. Six and six. What do you think would have happened last season with Casey Thompson? Oh, that's, pro- that's a really interesting thought. Um, you know, I, I know, I know about this much from K- about Casey, and that was that what he did against Oklahoma was nothing short of spectacular. I mean, he came on and – and really put them in a position to win, right? Um, so I kind of, you know, with that kind of small window and, and applying it, you know, transitive property, saying that that's the way that stuff's going to work and everything's being the same, I, I could see that because I, I thought, you know, and I'm not trying to twist the knife on Adrian at all. I, I think that Adrian is probably better served to go ahead and get up out of Lincoln and go try something else new to try to – salvage anything that he can in terms of maybe potentially going on to play at the professional level, because I don't think that the name or any, even despite the the records and the, and, and what he did in terms of production, you know, he just was snake bitten when it came to kind of trying to close a game out or, or not have a costly error. And I think maybe that's the difference. The difference there is that you wouldn't anticipate, you know, having those same types of errors uh, if, if you had Casey running running the, the offense. So uh, that being said, I guess I would I would probably agree with that statement. As we transition, you know, more to the spring ball and, and what's going on here, and, and I, I'm going to ask you about the visitors here in a second, but um, yeah. just kind of thinking back on, on, you know, I know this is two sports here, but Tim Miles and Bo Pelini, it, it was very evident going into their final seasons that it was make or break and that they had to win um, – in, in order to, to stick around. And, you know, you're kind of doing a similar thing with Scott Frost. I feel like those recruiting classes hurt were hurt because of that. Do you envision something like that happening with this team, whether Scott Frost makes it or not, is that this recruiting class, just because it's pretty, pretty out there that, you know, that they have to win probably to stick around. Uh, I would agree with that. I think that, um, you know, I, I think that one of the things that's being that's that's hanging over the head of a guy like consider a Dylan Rayola for for a classic example here. You're talking about you know a number twenty eight player in the Rivals one hundred. You're talking about you know top three four quarterbacks you know in the nation according to Rivals. Uh, some other networks have him even higher. Um, obviously Nebraska has a couple of advantages. They, his, his dad obviously played there. Uh, name and number retired up there in the ring, you know, in the, on the north side of the end zone. And then his uncle is obviously coaching there now. Is that enough to persuade, though, that quality of a recruit to go choose a school that um, has been losing more games than they've been winning recently? The, the answer to that question really quickly is no. You're, you're going to have to show that an improvement in the win-loss category or the win-loss column to to get a guy like that to come to Lincoln. He's he's going to have to see market improvement offensively when it comes to them winning games, number one, how the offense is, is being run underneath the new OC, number two, and then just kind of start seeing a, a bigger picture and, and how he could kind of flourish in that style and that offense 
with the coaching staff that's that's going to be there under Scott Frost. So uh, if if Nebraska can't paint that picture for Dylan Rayola, and it's and it's and it's getting really really tough. I mean, there's a lot of people talking about how you see USC is is really moving into the the picture more and more for Rayola. I sit there and tell you that I still think Georgia is a huge player for for Rayola. Um, I, I'm, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to be a tough pull regardless, but I mean, you're, you go from basically, uh, having some chance to no chance. If you go out there and have the same type of win loss this season, as you did last year, you just don't have a chance with a guy like that. Yeah, that's fascinating. We should probably get a weekly update on Dylan Riolo, how much fans uh, want to know about him. <laughs> Another weekly update that we might need is uh, some from Zane Flores, who's blowing up an in-state quarterback recruit here, but not necessarily going to get a look from Nebraska, doesn't look like, because they already have their quarterback for the class. Do you think that there's a potential of, of going with two quarterbacks, and, and would that be understandable with you know your other quarterback, or do you think it's, it's a traditional one-quarterback class, and, and they've already gone their way with uh, Mark Whipple's connections? Yeah, you know, this class is going to be so small, uh, and and it's when I say so small, they're they're a third of the way through filling it. I mean, they're they're talking around the area of fifteen guys. The, the quarterback room already is pretty crowded. It, Flores only gets a look now if something changes in the quarterback room or Watson dis, uh, decommits. Um, and and you know, like you'd mentioned, you know, Whipple and and Watson, they have a connection. Going back to the East Coast, Watson going to to see him and work with him during the summers through all the camps. They, you know, he has an understanding about how Whipple's offense is supposed to run. He's he's had a chance to kind of work with work with him a number of different of, uh, occasions. So there's a there's a comfort level between Watson and Whipple, and uh, you know Flores Flores was going to be struggling anyway because Whipple coming in, there were just so many guys that I would talk to around the nation that I would ask him the question about, you know, do you know Coach Whipple? And the answer to the question was yes. Like, hey, I met him at this camp. Hey, I met him over here. Actually, I was at this one camp one time, had had a chance to pass, you know, passing him, and we talked for five minutes. So I, I think that that's – it was always going to be an uphill climb, an uphill battle for Flores to kind of get on Nebraska's radar. Whip was going to get his guy into this class. Uh, I know it's a little bit more difficult when you start talking about an in-state kid with Flores. But um, I think Flores now would have to have at least one, if not a couple things happen, like a decommit and maybe even potentially lose a guy out of the room before like he gets really looked at again by Nebraska. And that's fascinating because you never know, you know, how he would feel about that if it does kind of come around. I, I agree. know. Yeah, there's been a few. I, I think Harrison Phillips was in that. Was he in that position? I know there was somebody that was kind of like uh, overlooked by Nebraska for just too long that they decided to go the other way. Yeah, I'm trying to think about it's that seems like a uh, that seems like a pretty uh, common common story. I don't know if it's necessarily a Nebraskan and, and Nebraska right. in-state guy, but I think there's other national stories out there where an in-state guy was just waiting for the for the home state school to kind of come around, and it was just kind of too late. Um, what was the uh, linebacker's name from Oklahoma that ended up going to Nebraska with the Indomitian Sioux class? Oh, Philip um, Dillard. Dillard. So Dillard's kind of a little bit of that guy, and that was kind of Bob Stoops' mo, right? Bob Stoops would not really pay a lot of attention to those to those in-state guys until it was kind of later, or once they kind of had something else going on for them. So uh, at that point, Dillard, I think, was getting a little bit of interest from OU, and just kind of kind of said, 
I'm sticking with my commitment. I'm leaving the state. So I, I think that that maybe probably is my only example I could have for you right yeah. now, but it's kind of still going to Nebraska, shunning the, in, shunning the in-state school. Brian, I'll probably ask you this question again next week because we're still two weeks away from the spring game. But what's kind of the storyline? What's kind of the player that Husker fans should be looking at heading into this game? Wow. Um, there's so many. Uh, I, I mean, is there a specific guy? Is there is there a, a, a set of positions? I mean, I'll. it's tough for me to kind of narrow it down. I'm interested, obviously, what's going to happen at center. Uh, I, I, I think Hicks and Piper – is interesting in any, anybody else, maybe potentially that's going to, that's going to rotate through there at, at the center position. I'm also interested to, to see what's happening at the quarterback spot. If, if Thompson is really your number one guy, what's going on at, at two and three? Cause it sounded like from some unofficial reports that maybe, you know, there's some other, other things happening there uh, where some guys are missing some time with injury. And so where, where is, where is, what is kind of going on in that space? I'm also interested in, of course, the quarter, the cornerback rotation. Where does a Tyreek Johnson start, finally start to kind of fit in? Is he rolling with the twos? Is he seeing any time with the one? Uh, what about Tommy Hill? I mean, uh, I, that that's a guy right there. I think that's come in that's just been ready to play since he transferred in from Arizona State. I think a lot of people have kind of overlooked him a little bit. Um, Buford at safety is an interesting guy to go ahead and, and take a look at. I mean. He was probably, had he not had that ankle injury, like as soon as he got to Nebraska last January, he he may be a guy that we're talking about right now that had a very, very different fall. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's an interesting guy. Um, I could probably go on for, for, for a lot longer. Uh, Trey Palmer. I, I think Trey Palmer probably in, in terms of the wow factor I think people need to watch Trey Palmer because he's really emerged as really being that number one guy at wide receiver. And I think that Nebraska fans are going to want to see him go out there and do something. So Trey Palmer, watch the, watch the deep, the defensive backs and watch that, that center position on the offensive line. In honor of Jamal Turner, I hope Trey Palmer does a back or a front flip into the end zone if he does score, so we can get our spring game memories uh, aligned there. I did want to ask you too about the, uh, the the recruits that might be coming to the spring game. Is Nebraska um, making you know you got to make every one of these games count? Does the spring game have a fewer uh, visitors coming in? Yeah, we we know about a handful of them now, and I'm going to start going back through tonight, so maybe I can get you a, a little bit more comprehensive list. I'm going to go back through the junior day guys that, that started coming in in January, and see if they're planning on, re, on doing a return visit. We know about of about mm, seven eight guys right now. I, I will tell you this: we know of at least one official visitor, David Borchers, defensive tackle from Eldridge, Iowa, will be there for an official visit. We also know of two guys that are coming in that are that are really four-star guys that are uncommitted in both Trey Wilson, who's an outside linebacker from Garland Lake View Centennial, which is just down the road from where I live down there in Texas, and Braden Marshall from Lake Flor Lake uh, Lake Mary, Florida. Uh, he's a cornerback, four-star guy, and then you start talking about Nebraska commitments in the 2023 class. So you have Gunnar Gatula, Sam Sledge, William Watson will be coming back after his junior day uh, visit in January and after he had committed. And then here's the big headliner, D Dylan Rayola. He will be there in town that Oof. weekend. He confirmed that one to me a week or two ago. Tyson Terry confirmed uh, over social media that he'll be there as well. And that's that's a guy that's going to be really, really interesting to watch to see how he develops and where he's going to kind of end up playing on that defensive line.
And one final question for you, um, because I don't think we, we were able to ask you this. I'm trying to think of the timeline. Uh, just the, the Xavier Betts thing, how big of a loss do you think that is if Nebraska um, isn't able to bring him back on the team? You know, if there was a room that you could afford to have, you know, one of your better players potentially leave the team, uh, even unexpectedly, it was probably wide receiver. Not telling you, I'm not saying that this the loss doesn't hurt. It does hurt. It's just that it's a little bit more easily absorbed in that room because there there is so much talent in that room. Um, I'll give you my personal opinion. I don't think he's coming back, number one. Uh, and and I think that there there are some things that are going to hurt because I think Betts really started to develop and become explosive last fall. Um, he was really carving out a role, you know, when it comes to that team. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see who are the guys that are going to have to step up to kind of take on that role that he played last fall for the team. Yeah, that, it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating. We can't wait for the season. At least spring balls around the corner. And at least we have Brian Munson every Tuesday here on the Ticket Water Cooler. Brian, thanks for your time today. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. All right, there he goes. Brian Munson of Husker Online. Always great to kind of catch up on the recruiting yeah. stuff and all that all that goes into it, especially with the spring game around the corner. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back here, uh, let's talk about P.J. Fleck because he looks different. And, and I'm serious. He looks different than he did before at his uh, press conference today. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure. He looks still looks like a bald white guy, but he looks like a different <laughs> bald white guy. I don't know what's going on. Can't even recognize <laughs> We'll try to break that down next year on the Ticket Water Cooler. 